Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Welcome to part three of the series, The Story of More. We continue on our journey to be better stewards of this earth that God gave us, this abode where we live and breathe. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun helps us connect the dots between creator, creation, and how we humans are affecting the earth. There's an old spiritual song about God that we used to sing as kids called, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. You know it? It goes like, He's got the whole world in His hands. Put down that fork. He's got the whole world in His hands. Come on, sway and join me. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got you and me, brother. Okay, well, that's enough. But the reality is that the Lord who created the world and has it in his hands, he wants us to partner with him to take care of it. Now that the company that was running our golf course has left, God has given us access to 246 acres on our property. When that happened, it meant that we would start on a journey to truly learn what, God, what does God think about our planet, nature, the land, and animals. I'm going to ask you to join with me on this journey. Some of the things we're going to look at may seem controversial to you or challenging, but I ask as thoughtfulness as one of our core values for you to wrestle with these issues with me. For some, you might want to spit out the meat and the bones. Others might find meat and just spit out the bones. On the environmental issue, there's a wide spectrum, isn't there? Some of you may feel any environmentalist must be a liberal, anti-government, anti-business, tree-hugging, granola-eating hippie with dried oatmeal in his beard. Others of you might discover meaning that God not only created the world, but he's asking us to partner with him to take care of it. Some of you may feel as Lynn Townsend White Jr., the late professor who taught medieval studies at Princeton, Stanford, and UCLA, specifically on technology invention in the Middle Ages. Lynn Townsend White Jr. shook up the world in 1966 when he gave a lecture and then wrote an article a year later called The Historical Roots of Our Ecological Crisis, which appeared in a journal called Science. And in the article, he laid at the feet of Christianity the blame for the entire ecological crisis we had and are still having today. Now, was it nice? We're not that apathetic, are we? On the other side of the spectrum is Dr. Stuart L. Pym, the Doris Duke Chair of Conservation Ecology in the Nicholas School of Environment of Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. He won, by the way, the Heineken Prize, not the beer, Heineken Prize, which is like the Nobel Prize for the Environment. And Pym said, quote, Oh, I'm a believing Christian. God so loved the cosmos that he gave his only son. That's an injunction from the Gospel of St. John. To me, this means that Christians have an obligation to look after the world. We've been given a stewardship. We can't pointlessly drive species to extinction and destroy the forests and oceans. That would be unfaithful to God. When we do that, we are destroying the creation that God gave us. So, 
I don't know where you will fall along the spectrum on the whole environment issue. Some may be apathetic and feel, who cares? Some might be ignorant of the challenges facing our environment, while others might oppose this whole issue for various political or personal reasons. Whatever, join me as I am on a discovery tour to figure out the truth and wrestle with various aspects of the issue. You may end up in a different place, and that's okay. As part of having a foundation of biblical understanding, I had mentioned two weeks ago that in Genesis it said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. For me personally, this is a good starting point. As Wheaton College's Old Testament professor, Dr. Sandra Richter says, the Hebrew word for till and keep in that verse are abad and shema. And they can also be translated to mean serve, if you look at Young's literal translation of the Bible, and protect. So that means God has tasked us to serve and protect the land. We are to be stewards, caretakers of God's land of which, as Pastor Tim said last week, we are not owners but borrowers. So think on this. God endowed this planet with basically just five broad groups. The land, the air, the water, the creatures, and humans. That's it, the big five. And if we take Genesis seriously, it seems it's up to us humans to steward the land, the air, the water, the creatures, and take care of all humans as we are our brothers and sisters keepers. The fact is, we humans haven't done a very good job of watching over all five. And yet, I'm beginning to see it all has a direct correlation of how we take care of people, especially the most vulnerable, the poor. The first part of my talk will be on the challenge facing us. The second part is a very practical guide on how we can respond, which won't be too painful, but it will mean some discipline. And the third part is how we need to give God the glory in all that we do. So a chunk of the early part of the sermon will be on science. And then I'll end up with the spiritual direction on how we can give God the glory. So hang in there patiently with me. But to set up the challenge and the discipline we are going to need in response, let me tell you a recent personal story of a challenge and then a discipline that I need for the sake of healthy living. Last week, I got a medical report that was not super serious, but serious enough that it would change a major part of my life. I discovered that I'm now pre-diabetic. My blood tests two weeks ago showed that I have a predisposition towards diabetes. And the doc said I would have to change my diet and exercise more. Now, the diet part I didn't like. I mean, pre-diabetic means I need to cut down drastically on sugar to get my glucose level much lower. And right now, man, that's like a bad rap. I mean, no more dessert, no more frozen yogurt, no more banana cream pie, no more scones to die for. Cutting down on carbs felt like barbs, including rice and no sugary spice, and decrease the pasta. Yes, I have to. No abundance of pasta 
for the pasta? Ah! I was truly bummed out. But if I kept up with my sweet tooth and I got diabetes, that would be hard to undo. I don't want to give myself insulin shots. I hate shots, except maybe the vaccine. I must radically change my habits or else I will be in deep kimchi. For the sake of my health, I would have to really change my life and be disciplined. So you're thinking, nice story, Dan. What's the point? Here's the lesson. As we identify and see the planetary challenges, we need to be extremely disciplined right now in how we address them, or else our health, our lives, will be in deep kimchi. Not kimchi too, just kimchi. It's not so much that we have inherited this earth from our parents, but it's that we are borrowing it from our grandchildren. So, we gotta be disciplined for the future. So first, the challenge. In terms of the big five, land, air, water, creatures, and humans, we are one big global village. We could choose to act on these two premises that number one, the resources of earth, land, air, water, and animals are infinite. And number two, we should only take care of our own country. But both statements would be false. I'm learning that our natural resources are not infinite. And second, America can't selfishly take care of only itself if this planet's going to survive. Yes, America is wealthy and educated and highly resourced, which means we really have to do our part to help the rest of the world. As Jesus said, to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from, and from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. That's in the Gospel of Luke, 12th chapter. It, all, it also goes back to Jesus' challenge in Matthew 25, that we need to always, always help the poor, the thirsty, the, the starving, the unclothed, the stranger in the land, the prisoner. And if we don't take care of him, here it comes. Jesus says, we will go into the eternal lake of fire where the devil and the demons will await you. Which is a different global warming we should be concerned about, but people don't talk about. So how much has been entrusted to us? Americans are 8.5% of the world population, but we hold 30% of the world's wealth. Fact is, there's a much bigger imbalance of wealth than that. According to the Oxford Committee for Famine Relief, known as Oxfam, in 2017, the eight richest men had more wealth than the poorest half of the human population. Eight guys had more than the 3.6 billion women, men, and children in the poorest half of the world. In 2016, the richest 1% had more wealth than the rest of the world's population combined. Thank you to Harvard's Leith Sharp for this slide. So we in the United States who are not only the richest and some of the most educated in the world, third, third only to Finland and Australia, no fair, they have kangaroos and koalas men mentoring them. We have got to figure out the sustainability issues 
because our life depends on it and is related to helping Hawaii, our country, the world, and especially the poor. If all the countries on our planet adopted our American lifestyle, global emissions of carbon dioxide would be more than four times what they are today, which would greatly hurt where we live. Many scientists say that the Earth is getting warmer. Now, I know some people may not know that. I know some may not agree with that. So I've been trying to research more about it because if we're to be stewards of the land to serve and protect the Earth as God asks us to, then I do want to learn more about global warming. The 10-year period between 2005 and 2016 was the warmest decade on record since the invention of the thermometer. Now, what does this mean? Well, according to geochemist and geobiologist Dr. Hope Jaron, who used to be a UH professor who now works at the University of Oslo, Norway, she would say that it is clearly the warmest high of a 100-year-long temperature increase. Now, right then, you might be thinking, okay, Dan, if you believe that, you're one of those new age types. You're greener than Kermit the Frog. You look at animals and say, come here, little fella. I won't hurt you. Like you're some grizzly Adams or Jungle Boy. You're one of those liberal environmental freaks. No. I am a follower of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who created this world together and commanded us to serve and protect it. I am fully in on that. We're on a study tour right now to find out how God wants us to be responsible for the earth that he has given us. I am in his majesty's service, and I do remember, as I mentioned in my last sermon, for greater context that you can, by the way, find on YouTube or on our website, that our Lord made a covenant, yes, a covenant, as stated in the story of Noah with humans and creatures, that the earth would be protected by God. And so that's how we Christians should roll as Noah protected the creatures on his ark during the flood. But part of understanding this earth is that we need to decide if the earth is really getting warmer, because if that is really happening, then other elements the Lord gave us, the land, the air, the water, the creatures, and humans, will all be affected. Now some of us watching are thinking, no way the earth is getting warmer. And I don't blame you for thinking that, because there have been lots of theories floating about. I wasn't sure if it was getting warmer. Dr. Catherine Hayhoe is an evangelical, married to a pastor. She is a professor and director of the Climate Science Center at Texas Tech University. And last year, she was named to Time Magazine's top 100 most influential people in the world. She is presently working on a PBS series called Global Weirding, Climate Politics and Religion. Check her out. One of our core values of this church is being thoughtful. So let's get thoughtful on this topic. Science-wise, Dr. Catherine Hayhoe is one of the lead authors of volumes one and two of the fourth national climate assessment. And she says that there is no doubt, to quote her, that the earth is warming faster than at any time in human history and we're the ones causing it. Climate change is already affecting people and the more carbon we produce, the more dangerous the effects of the coming century. 
Now this was a statement summarizing the fourth national climate assessment, the work of 13 federal agencies and more than 350 scientists. Hayhoe contends that when people say that climate scientists are split on whether this climate change is real, the fact is actually, here's the split, 97% of climate scientists agree that global warming is happening and that humans are causing it. She and others contend that when you look at the remaining 3%, they discover that each of them had errors in methodology that explain their dissenting opinions. Some scientists may say there is no climate change, but she says it turns out that those people are not climate scientists. You need to have the ones with the expertise making the accurate evaluation. If not, it would be like a dermatologist saying she knows how to do your open heart surgery, which might be fine if you had acne on your heart. Furthermore, Dr. Hayhoe says when climate change happens, it's called a threat multiplier. That makes heat waves stronger, heavier precipitation events more frequent, hurricanes more intense, and it nearly doubles the areas burned by wildfires. Of course, that hasn't happened, or has it? People often say, gee, it's cold outside. Global warming can't be real. But we should know that temporary cold weather doesn't change the long-term warming of the planet. People like, I get confused, well, like, like me, between the concept of weather versus climate. A cold day, that's weather. But over the long term, scientists use the term climate. And yes, in global warming, there will be cold days, but overall there will be more new hot temperature records than cold ones. I learned that in 2017 alone, there were more than 10,000 cold temperature lows. Records were broken at weather stations across the United States. So who believes in global warming now? But science also shows that in that very same year, there were more than 36,000 high temperature records broken, nearly four times more. What's causing this dangerous warming? Scientists say it's because of us. We humans are putting too much carbon dioxide in the air through our vehicles, industries, factories, plane flights, etc., which create this barrier so when heat comes up to the atmosphere, it creates a greenhouse effect. And the warmth doesn't escape, but bounces back to the earth, causing temperature to rise. Look at this slide made by Harvard University's Leith Sharp, who teaches sustainability and leadership. You see that like thin little white layer over the earth? That's the earth's breathable atmosphere that has so much carbon dioxide that is creating a greenhouse effect that is creating our planet to get warmer. If the earth gets hotter, the oceans get hotter and more acidic, and then the fish and shellfish and coral can die. It's happening now, in addition to the plastic bottle pollution. It does seem that scientists know what causes all of this carbon dioxide. It's the high use of what is called fossil fuel formed from the fossilized remains of dead plants like coal 
natural gas and oil that when burned produces a lot of carbon dioxide in the air. You may think our breathable atmosphere is infinite. Actually, it's not. I mean, you know, you go on the moon and you can't breathe, right? But way before that, you can't breathe. Get this. Here's Mauna Kea, 4,000 meters high. At the height of Mauna Kea, you're already above 40% of the atmosphere, according to astronomer Dr. Alan Stockton, a member of First Press. That's right. Only 60% more of the breathable atmosphere is above that. So let's not mess up what is left. But what is left is already being mixed with far too much carbon dioxide, causing that greenhouse effect of making this Earth hotter. And what is causing a lot of this hot house effect? Methane gas. In my study tour, I've learned a lot of it comes from the waste from meat, the meat industry. In a report of February 3 of this year, the United States was projected to produce 41.1 million metric tons of meat in 2016, a new record. That's a, like one, a big, a spicy meat, the ball. The waste of these cows, chickens, and pigs put a lot of methane gas into the air. Did you know that one ton of methane is equal to emitting 72 tons of carbon dioxide? Well, the relatively good news is that methane gas lasts only a couple of decades. But bad news, carbon dioxide lasts hundreds of years. However, the meat industries not only pump tons of methane into the air through their waste on land and in water, but it is another threat multiplier. For the meat industry also uses so much more of the water and land and air resources. Did you know that 30% of all fresh water used by humans is spent on the production, maintenance, and slaughter of meat animals in captivity for human consumption? 30% on one industry. As for our food, to compound it, the 25 billion, yes, 25 billion cows, pigs, and chickens that live in captivity that are not free range are waiting to be given medicine in huge amounts. Two thirds of all of the antibiotics used in the United States are fed to meat animals to ostensibly promote their growth. Now that's a, a real a spicy drug-infused meat the ball. For America, check out this map. The yellow and brown color areas represent how much land is used for the meat industry. A huge proportion. And 26% of Earth's ice-free land is used just for livestock grazing and 33% of croplands are used just for livestock feed production, and it all adds more than 7% of the gas emissions through their waste. So with just this one product, the meat industry, we are using an inordinate amount of water, 
and putting an inordinate amount of methane in the air, and we are slaughtering an inordinate amount of creatures, which then causes an inordinate amount of greenhouse gases. For creation care, we need to know this. As for the air, again, see that thin gray area? Remember, that's our atmosphere, which we need to make sure carries the clean air we need to breathe and to make sure we're not making it a hothouse with too much carbon dioxide bouncing back to the earth, which eventually can kill more creatures in the ocean and humans on land. As I said, the warming of the earth becomes a threat multiplier, to use a military term. It creates other threats and makes present ones more intense. When there are more arid lands formed by the heat and water dries up, then there could be more war as some countries want to get into another country that has more crops or food and water than they. Global warming always hurts the poorer countries more than the richer ones, even though their countries are not the dominant ones causing the problem. And I know many of you have a heart for the poor, like in Africa, when you're in ministries in there. The heat means more species die on land and in sea, more intensity of hurricanes, more precipitation. And so I'm going to pause here to just say we need to fully understand this as part of the ministry rationale as to why it is critical that, uh, that we know why we want to develop our newly accessible 246 acres for good, for sustainability, for faith in God, and to help the land, the air, the water, the people, and the creatures in Hawaii. It'll be one of the ways we care for people and share the gospel of the creator behind the creation care. I'll talk more about this next week as I hope to unveil the new name for our ministry for the land and all of its meaning. Now, God has given us 246 acres to be a model for not only Hawaii, but the world of how to live and steward creation. God is calling us to step up, stand in the gap, be a leader in creation care out of our faith in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who, according to the book of Genesis, created the earth. It, it says in Genesis, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. I was taught in seminary that the word us and our means the Trinity who has always been in existence. So, what's the solution? Let's get to part two. And those of you saying, hey, Dan, this is kind of like more of a science report, more than a sermon. Hang in there on this journey. It's all going to come together. But the question is, are we willing to change our ways if there's a strong case for sustainability and stewardship? So what are we going to do? Well, there are many responses. If we speak out or act on this stewardship, you may get hassled for being an advocate for creation care and the creator. One reason is that it will seem like it's anti-business. How can you hurt the big businesses that need to make money even though the environment is being hurt? Good question. No one wants to hurt businesses. Uh, we all need jobs. However, moral progress means that sometimes businesses have to change their ways 
and people will have to find other jobs for the sake of society. For example, when there was a time when children were used in slave labor so that industries made more money, was it not a good thing that child labor laws were established even though industries were financially hurt because they lost access to cheap labor? It hurt companies' profits, but weren't the laws the right thing to do? When it was discovered that tobacco hurt people's lungs, which led to cancer and even death, was it bad that laws were established even though it hurt tobacco companies? Was it not good that anti-slavery laws were made even though that cut into people's profits? Yes! But as I've been thinking about it, being into creation care doesn't mean it's anti-business. It means businesses will have to pivot and change as we have during COVID and make new jobs. We must change how we live to be responsible to God's desire that we are to serve and protect the earth and all of creation. It's how we in America are capitalists in a free market. We innovate. When General Motors recently announced that by 2035, that year, it will end making gas-powered cars and only make electric cars, and by 2040 be carbon neutral, I'm sure that is a huge, huge financial shift and gigantic change for GM. GM's CEO is Mary Barra, one of the few women CEOs of the top companies. Yay, Mary! It took a woman CEO to kick butt for change in the auto industry. You go, girl! The new business logic is how today CEOs are trying to connect the dots between social issues and business solutions as seen in a 2019 study of 181 CEOs who are trying to link a profit agenda with a purpose to benefit the planet as seen in the Leaders on Purpose report put out by Horvath and Partners Management Consultants. CEOs of big name companies like Procter & Gamble, PayPal, BMW, MasterCard, um, IKEA were, were um, involved. Going green is not anti-business. The youth have also been courageous and outspoken about this. Uh, Swedish teenager Greta Thunberg, at 15 years of age, started a one-girl protest sitting outside of her Swedish parliament calling for stronger action on climate change. And when she put herself on Instagram and Twitter, only then did others join her. And slowly, the small action of one girl started a worldwide movement. She is four feet 11 inches and the author of a book entitled, No One is Too Small to Change the World. Is it possible that God used a lonely, unknown teenager who has been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, obsessive compulsive disorder, and selective mutism? She sees her Asperger's as, um, as a superpower instead of a weakness. And God created her to use that superpower. And with all three of those conditions, she says it means she is very selective about when she speaks, and now is one of those moments. So youth, pay attention. No one is too small to change the world. She has been nom nominated twice for the Nobel Peace Prize, and both Forbes magazine and Time magazine listed her as one of the most influential people in the world. Mary Barra of GM and young Greta Thunberg, both ends of a spectrum, the high and the mighty and the unknown and the young, 
to be the thought leaders, or in Greta's case, a prophet, who can tell us uncomfortable things about, but be courageous in doing what would please God. Okay, but what about us? So let's review a scripture verse I shared a few weeks ago. In 1 Peter. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. The Bible says always, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. How does your hope in Jesus Christ have any relation to this planet? Can you even talk to non-Christians in an intelligent way about saving the earth? Or do we say, well, it's not going to be trashed in the end, so who cares? If we don't care about the planet, it will be very, very hard to talk to the unchurched, especially the younger generation. Or as a friend of mine says, that sometimes we Christians are so heavenly-minded, we are no earthly good. In terms of life on this planet, do you have hope for it? Do you even care? Apathetic? Do you throw up your hands and say, what can I do? Are you willing to continue to be on today's learning tour with me? God is asking us to be prepared to give an account of your faith and how it plays out in the real world. What's your hope? What can we do? For each of us like me with my pre-diabetic condition, we must be disciplined so that we and others can live healthy lives. I will have to sacrifice to do that and give up things that I like. And for me, it has to be a dramatic shift for the sake of my life. For the world, for the nation, for our state, for our church, it has to be a dramatic shift. It might mean sacrifice and tremendous adjustments, but it's for the greater good. And more importantly, as the title of this sermon, to God be the glory. And here's where it all comes together. Over and over again in scripture, it talks about giving God the glory and the honor and the worship he deserves. Like in Psalm 57, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And then Psalm 86, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord, and they will bring glory to your name. So you say, how does this relate to me? If you say you're a follower of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, then let me make it very practical to you. Everything you do can be a prayer to God if you talk to him and worship him. So when I want to recycle one soda can, uh, make that one diet soda can, or one glass bottle, I can think, why does it even matter, this one little can or bottle, or this one daily newspaper to be put in the recycling bin? In the big scheme of things, does it really matter? I say, yes. Why? Because you do it for the glory of God. 
Don't ever think why it's just one can out of millions. Will it even matter? No, kids and adults, listen. Everything you do, everything, not just 75%, not just 90%, not even 99%, everything you do, you honor the Lord. You delight Him with that one act. Recycling can be an act of worship if you do it for the glory of God. Because you're doing it to care for and protect the world He told you to steward. And when you throw that can in a recycling bin, you can say, Lord, I'm doing this for you. May what I do glorify you. And then it really counts. If I choose not to eat as much meat, maybe starting with not eating meat once a week or once a day, I do it to the glory of God and to be compassionate to animals. Eating a more plant-based meal is not only good for health, but also a way to give glory to God. If during just a coffee talk or a phone call or an email, you might make just one person more aware of our environmental responsibility, whether that person agrees, you do it unto the glory of God. It is a way you honor Him. And actually, these small acts are not really that small. They can really make an exponential difference. If everyone in the world would eat one less meal of meat, it would greatly help the atmosphere and cut back the greenhouse effect of the earth warming. If everyone recycled, it would really help. If everyone would just share and maybe convince three people every six months to be a little more green, just three people, it would change the world. Let me show this in a slide. You see the slide? You see, if, let's just say, just 30 of you in this church were to convince just three people in six months to be more planetary aware, and that then grows to 90 people, and then those 90 people told three people, it grows to 270, and then on and on and on, each of those telling three people, after seven years, 143 million people will have heard the word. 143 million people in just seven years. But that only happens if you just start sharing with just three people maybe every six months. I mean, look at this graph. It can, it can be used in many ways, like for about sharing about Jesus, discipling people, sharing the good news of what we need to do for our environment, all to the glory and worship of God. It can have a huge ripple effect. So how we eat and recycle, may we always say, is to the glory of God. And nothing is too small for the glory of God as we worship Him. It's glory to God for every recycled soda can or plastic bottle, for every choice to use paper plates instead of styrofoam boxes, for every photovoltaic cell that is put on a roof or for every hybrid or electric car. Can we say a prayer? It is to you, Lord, for the glory of God. For every meal we sit down to eat that is a shift towards sustainability, it can be to the glory of God. Our newly accessed 246 acres know that, we, that what we do will clearly be for the glory of God. That is our top priority. And I'll talk more about that property next week. Why do we take care of the earth? 
It's to the glory of God. And the pinnacle of God's love for us, that it's always a story of more. More love. For God so loved the world that he sent his, that he sent Jesus, his son, to us. He died for us, for you and for me. He died for all the people on earth. And that's the best Valentine story of more. He is our true hope and strength, and he deserves our glory. So I close with this wonderful verse in the Bible from Psalm 72. Praise be to his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen? Amen. Join me in prayer. Lord, on this learning tour, this study tour, I, I pray we're a bit closer to you, Lord. And we're just more aware of where we live and how we need to help others in your name. And Lord, we do pray that everything we do will honor you and glorify you. Lord, I know there's some people who've been with us on this journey and maybe today was the tipping point. They'll say, wow, who, who is this God? Who is this Jesus? Who is this Holy Spirit? I, I want to I want to be in on this. If there's a movement to know God better, to know him as a friend and a Lord, and to know that, wow, he gave his life for me, I want in. And so, Lord, if there are some people who want to commit their lives to you, may they just say this simple prayer and of just saying, Lord, um, it's been a while, maybe, since we've talked, but Lord, please come into my life. I want to follow you to the best of my ability. And this might be new, or this might be a rededication, but I really want to follow you and serve you. And if you're asking me to do something for this planet, I'll do it. So thank you, Lord. So please come in, in to my life. And thank you for um, all that you've done for me. In Christ's name, amen. And now for all of you, I have a, a prayer, uh, a blessing. Uh, but just before I do that, I just want to remind you, we do have those um, connect groups right after the service. And if you want to stay, we have a time to discuss the sermon. There's been a lot we went through today. And uh, you'll be put in breakout groups, a, a small number normally with one of our staff members. And so if you're interested, hang out and make sure you hit that button to be in one of the connect groups. Okay? But here's a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. In Christ's name, amen. Aloha. Ahui ho. We have been charged by God himself to watch over just five things in life. Land, air, water, creatures, and fellow humans. Today is a good day to evaluate our efforts toward all five. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website.
fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, normally we gather on Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times. Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 for First Pres, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.